0: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play full time fantasy. Play full time fantasy.
1: All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards, get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Adam Ronis, it's good to be back online. It was a crazy weekend, dude. I apologize for missing you.
2: Yeah, sounds like it was.
1: Yeah. You don't realize how connected you are until you're not connected, and then you're like an addict going around your house like twitching because you don't you can't you don't have your internet.
2: Yeah, it's just like being locked up. You don't realize how much you miss the outside world until you see what you miss for the weekend.
1: Anything you want to tell us about that? Adam?
2: No, I'm just saying it's a good analogy.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> just checking. Uh, so I uh, we didn't cover. I really wanted to cover. Get your impressions on all those basketball. Moves, I don't know if you covered that yesterday, but uh, what are your thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, Durant and Kyrie and Jordan and Garrett Temple, you got to be happy about that one, right?
2: Yeah, I think so. There's definitely some risk involved, obviously, because Durant's likely sit out most of the year, and you do have some volatile personalities, but, you know, I spoke openly last year. I love what Brooklyn was doing. I thought Kenny Atkinson did a really good job as coach, and they were a fun team to watch, so I think they built the right culture. And I also think it shows that no one really wants to go to the Knicks. Uh, I think Dolan is a big factor in that. And, uh, you know, the Nets took a shot here. And we'll see if it works out. But uh, I think Brooklyn fans have to be excited.
1: There was something with Brian Windhorst last night that I was watching. And he said that the Knicks, he knows the Knicks' plan. There is a plan. It's not like they have no idea what's going on. It's just going to take a while to implement. But, you know, if you're the NBA and you realize that New York is just a bad franchise, can you force Dolan out? I mean, can you force him to sell? What do they do?
2: No, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, you see the same thing going on with the Will Pons in New York with the Mets. So I don't think so. And NBA is still thriving. Even with the Knicks being bad, obviously it would help. But it's still doing very well. It's getting a lot of attention. I mean, that free agency on Sunday was a big deal. I mean, it had people paying attention. Uh, and the NBA still does well, so I don't think so. Uh, the Knicks obviously took on a lot of short-term contracts, so you could look at it that way. Okay, they have to spend at least $98 million, so they had to spend the money, and they did, And but it was a lot of short contracts. Right, only years.
1: Randall, right? Only, And it was all on a player. It's all the, t- the, the team's option except for Randall, right?
2: Yeah, they're all like two-year deals, so... They're not investing long-term, and they still have a ton of draft picks. So, But again, they're just pushing the timetable back when it was basically telling Knicks fans, all right, we're going to get two max guys, and we're going to be ready to take the next step in 2019-2020. Now you're looking at another two years of mediocrity where you're going to hope to land a superstar again. And what if that doesn't go your way? And what if the superstars don't come there? So I understand the Knicks fans who are trying to rationalize what they did, but you're still waiting another two years in the hopes of landing a superstar when that was the plan this year and no one came.
1: Speaking of superstars, is it fair for me to say I really don't want Kawhi going to the Lakers? I just don't want to see it.
2: I mean, you know, most people, unless you're a Lakers fan, you probably don't because obviously they'd be – the favorite, it'd be tough to see them losing as long as they add good complementary pieces. But, you know, Kawhi Leonard has the right to do whatever he wants right now. And you could say, well, he's, he took one team on his own to the final. He was a part of San Antonio. You know, it seems like L.A. is somewhere he wants to go. Uh, that's where he's from. But maybe he decides, you know what, I'll take the Clippers instead. It, it, it'll be interesting to see what he decides. You know, a lot of reports last night were saying it's a done deal. Nothing is official.
1: Yeah. I mean, but- why, why would you go to the Clippers when you could go to the Lakers when the Lakers have the money and they're a lot closer? You know, so it's my, my problem is with him going, it just becomes a super team and I think I'm tired of the super teams. You know, I don't mind two guys, but when it's three like that, it just especially the way Kawhi played, it just seems to skew it wait a little too much for me.
2: So you were tired of Golden State?
1: I I appreciated Golden State because they yeah. weren't
2: really a super team until Durant came.
1: That was no, the team that they built. Right. No, no, I appreciate I appreciated golden state. But, uh, you know, at some point, I know that my son for sure w- wanted to see the Raptors win because he just wanted to see somebody new. I mean, that's not un- unusual, is it? To want to see somebody new in there?
2: No, but I don't know. I mean, Leonard earned the right to do what he wants. You know, he might say, you know what? Uh, I want to play with LeBron and Anthony Davis and win a title uh, on three different teams. Maybe that's what he wants to do. Uh, I don't know. It's tough to figure out what Kawhi wants. Maybe he decides to go back to Toronto for a year or two after seeing how he was treated there. So, I mean, obviously that's the biggest domino left to kind of see where everything else lands.
1: No, I will say this. I think that Sunday was was must-watch TV. I mean, it really was. I give the NBA credit, like you said, that people cared. I mean, people were all over it. Woj Woj was on my TV screen more than uh, anybody's ever been on my TV screen before.
2: Yeah, he was just all over the place, uh, scooping everything. And it was definitely a fun day for free agency.
1: All right, speaking of a day not so fun, I don't know if you covered it on yesterday's show, and if you did, I apologize. But horrible about Tyler Skaggs. Uh, I I don't think they came out with any information on that, but uh, he was, you know, he was starting to come into his own. Just a horrible thing. How does a team, let's say you, I don't want to make it about fantasy for this moment, but I will. Uh, Let's say you own Angels at this point. Are you... Do you want to get rid of Angels? Do you feel like it will affect them moving forward this season? How would you approach it?
2: No one knows. I mean, trying to guess this is ridiculous. No one knows. I mean, they're human beings. We've seen this has happened in baseball before. I'm not looking to get rid of Angels. Uh, I don't know how they're going to react. They might come out and be inspired today. So, no, I don't think you can do anything with that. You're just, what are you going to do, trade Mike Trout? Because you think he's going to soak the rest of the year? I mean, it makes no sense. So, it's unfortunate. Didn't cover it yesterday on the show because it happened after the show. Happened around... 5 p.m. is when it broke. So it's just really sad, unfortunate. Obviously, the game was canceled yesterday. The plan is to play today, and we don't know exactly what happened yet. Uh, They said no foul play was involved, according to the police report, but uh, just real unfortunate. He was two weeks shy of his 28th birthday, and, you know, he's been a solid pitcher, you know, someone that I did like this year. I don't think I have him on any team, but he was definitely someone I was looking at late. Uh, and just uh, real unfortunate uh, and you know tough spot for the angels and everyone in baseball who was uh, affiliated with him and friends with him. Uh, you know I don't think it just hits the angels. I think it hits a lot of other teams. you know he was on Arizona as well. so uh, just real unfortunate.
1: I would think that uh, I would I think the word was shocking. I think nobody saw this coming and I think it's shocking. it's one you know especially when it's there's you know no no foul play. You know, and uh, you never want to see that. And I think it, uh, baseball players are a fraternity. I think athletes are a fraternity, right? And they've got to take stock and just say, hey, you know, get themselves checked out and make sure that they're healthy. And, you know, these are, it's a cause of concern. I mean, you never want to see a guy who's 27 years old in the prime of his life pass away. So I think this is a, uh, uh, a horrible thing for for baseball, but hopefully if we can make anything of it, that people will take care of themselves, get get themselves checked and make sure that they're healthy. Adam.
2: Yeah. And again, we don't know what it is. I mean, maybe he did all that and it, something happened. Who knows? Well, I guess we'll find out when further news is reported.
1: So did you see that the Yankees signed some 16 year old kid who was the most uh, highly regarded prospect from Latin America? Did you, did you catch that yet? Yes. Thoughts on that? Would you pay that kind of money to a 16-year-old kid who may not play for the next, I don't know, four years? Uh, The Yankees have
2: the money, so if they can do it and the scouting reports are that optimistic, sure, you do it.
1: Do you think that teams are starting to, you know, have you noticed that like a lot of teams want to trade for the international bonus? Do you think that that, that people will start to do that even more and go get younger kids in deals? and, And do you think baseball will change that way?
2: Yeah, it seems like we're seeing that a little bit more. Uh, and, you know, it's a way to get these guys really young and, and lock them in. And if they do hit, then uh, you got a, a nice bargain.
1: Right. I mean, do, I, don't you think that small market clubs should take even more advantage of that? Do you think they do that enough? Because Yeah, I think the Marlins have been doing it. Well, I get do you think the Marlins' approach can be successful? It's funny you mentioned that. I mean, the pitching is pretty good, but that hitting has got to get better. Do you think there's a plan in place? Do you? I mean, you're, you're probably you can go much deeper on that team than I can. I mean, are there hitters in that system that can help them in the next couple of years?
2: Yeah, a lot of it's going to be scouting, and you know, again, they do have some good pitchers right now for sure, and they're going to have to be resourceful with the best. But we've seen the Marlins, you know, have success in the past. I know mean, oh, it's different ownership, but. Uh, they have got, won a couple World Series.
1: Well, that is true. All right, Luke Voigt goes to the uh, injured list with an abdominal strain. When the Yankees start to get healthy, they stop getting healthy. Stanton out, Voigt out. Do you think, uh, would you be worried if you are uh, if you own New York Yankees right now?
2: No, they've been through this the entire season. Guys get hurt, and all they do is win. So they are built where they have enough depth. And, yeah, there's no reason to worry. I mean, obviously, if you're a Luke Voigt owner... It hurts because he's been uh, a real good value. Generally went 12th, 13th round in some drafts. And he's obviously produced hitting in the middle of that Yankees lineup. But, you know, they did go out and acquire Edwin Encarnacion. So they have him. And uh, they're just going to have to, you know, rely a little bit more on Brett Gardner when it looks like his time was up. And, you know, they did get Didi Gregorius back. You know, Aaron Hicks is back after spending the first couple months on the injury list. You know, they did lose Stanton again. But... Uh, they're in such a good position that uh, it shouldn't affect them that much. It, it, we were sitting there looking at that lineup, like, damn, it's sick. And it's still very good. I mean, you're still looking at Lemayo, Just Sanchez, Encarnacion, Didi, Hicks, Torres, Urschel, and Gardner. So it's still a very good lineup, and uh, you know they're they're making the playoffs, no doubt. It's just a matter of can they finish with the best record. Their strength, obviously, is their bullpen, which has been great. Uh, even have some question marks at the pitching. You know, Paxton was not good his last outing. Two of his last four outings, he's been terrible. You know, Sabathia is older. Tanaka's been pretty good. Hap is not. So they do get Domingo Herman back tomorrow, so that will help. But, you know, this is a team that's definitely going to make some moves, I would think, at the trade deadline. And they hope to get Severino back, but he just keeps sounding like he's getting pushed back even more. So... Uh, those that have been waiting around on him uh, don't count on him to do anything this year.
1: Would you trade for Domingo Herman right now because he looked real good at some point early on in the season or do you think that the United Mm -hmm. Minings will catch up to him as we move forward?
2: No, I I like him. Uh, I think he's got a good arm and he even said he was pitching through injury and I think that's why you saw his stats really tell off Uh, and that's always an issue with any pitcher. We know that guys tend to play through injuries. They have a little pain and Especially a guy like Herman, who wants to keep that spot in the rotation, you you tend to kind of pitch through things. So I think that's why you're seeing the numbers really go in the wrong direction. I think he was uh, trying to pitch through injury.
1: So I'm sure you saw the Red Sox plan to use Nathan Eovaldi as their closer once he returns from the injured list. I guess people had always thought that Eovaldi had the closer kind of uh, potential because he throws so hard but do you think this is something that uh, teams will start doing more now instead of paying for a closer trying to solve it from within like that
2: I think a lot of teams are already doing that you're seeing a lot of bullpen by committees no one's really naming a closer now be careful this is a report from a reporter there's no team confirmation in this and you know a lot of times it can be true but you have to be careful uh, because the Red Sox haven't said anything, I haven't seen any statement from the Red Sox. This was according to Tom Karen of Nesson. So, uh, you know, apparently his sources he said that it, this is going to happen. Uh, but either way, the Red Sox have had major problems in the bullpen this year. I thought Workman is probably next in line, Barnes has been bad in some big spots lately, Brazier. Whoever they turn to, it hasn't worked out. It's basically the Mets and Red Sox bullpens are kind of similar. That doesn't matter who you throw out there. They suck. So, you know, these probably available in a lot of leagues. I got him in tout wars because we have IL spots. So, I kind of hope this does happen because I could use a second closer. Uh, but I think part of it is, one, to keep him healthy. They figure, all right, if he just maxes out at one inning, and maybe they don't pitch him back-to-back days initially, that could help him. Stay healthy, kind of similar to what the Cardinals doing with Carlos Martinez. I think the other factor is they just haven't had any answer in that bullpen and they're hoping that maybe he can be the guy that secures the ninth inning for them.
1: All right. I'm not gonna try I'm not trying to start anything. I'm just asking you a question. Do you think with the way fantasy baseball has been going, especially in bullpen's have been going, would you ever get rid of saves as a category?
2: Uh, I think you can come up with something different or maybe I mean, I really don't like saves plus holes because I, I think the hold stat is garbage, but maybe they're headed there. uh I don't know if it's gonna be in the next couple years, but maybe a little while after. I mean there's still a lot of teams that employ a regular closer, but you do see teams that are kind of mixing and matching right now. Uh, I'd say Minnesota is one of them, but I think Taylor Rogers is the guy right now. But earlier in the year, they were. We've seen Tampa kind of mix it up. Uh, so there's a few teams that are going that route right now.
1: I, I would just think that, you know, because we just, we always say, oh, don't pay for saves. Don't worry about saves. I don't know. I mean, would you, what, 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 what would you put holds? I no, mean, if you were I, developing I just, a I, league right now, I know, but if you were developing a league right now and you had to have a five by five, what would your five what would your five pitching categories be?
2: I would leave it the traditional way that we had so far. Um you know, it's not to the point where three teams employ a full-time closer. It makes it more challenging, but that's part of the strategy. It's not supposed to be an easy game. There's supposed to be a challenge. So it is more challenging with saves, and you're just gonna have to adjust your strategy in attacking saves and you know what I want to do in a fifteen-team league is get at least one good one, and then piece together the second one. Because the ones where I didn't get that one good one is where I'm struggling. So I want. How to many get... good
1: ones do you think there are anymore? Do you think there's 10, 12?
2: Yeah, there's still good. There's good ones. I mean, uh, the the three to eleven range this year has been really good. Brad Hand, Felipe Vazquez, Kirby Yates. There's been a lot of good pitchers in that range that have worked out.
1: So would you spend like a sixth or seventh round pick on one guy? Yeah, in a 15-team league, I would. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, we'll turn our attention to football. You know what we're going to do that? When Full-Time Fantasy returns right after this. All right, we're back with Full Time Fantasy. We got a promo code for you, whether it's Roto or Ronus, Put in Roto50 or Ronus 50 and get 50% off your first two months at FullTimeFantasy.com. And I, I think that's a steal, Adam. You're getting all the information that you could possibly get. You get access to you, me, Sean Childs. We'll answer your questions, articles, draft reviews. I did a draft review. You did a draft review. I think that's uh, – I love the draft reviews. I think they're very valuable for people.
2: Yeah, I think you can look at a draft board right now figure out, okay, what teams are having success, what's the blueprint for success, and you could see other teams where a lot of mistakes were made, and you want to learn from those mistakes to make sure that you don't do them.
1: So I'm looking here at an online championship draft, and I'm looking at Team Twelve. Why do I see four bright blue stickers on this board? Does somebody – how how do you take four tight ends and feel good about yourself in the morning?
2: No idea. It's a big mistake. Uh, you know, and especially, too, if you're going to take Travis Kelsey at pick 13 on the turn, you really don't need another tight end. If you want to take one in the last two, three rounds to have a backup, fine. But you're playing Travis Kelsey every week, and I know we have the extra flex spot, but – what are the odds that a tight end that you're taking at 22 and 24 tight ends off the board are going to be a flex worthy spot consistently? And you could tell me, well, it's Kyle Rudolph and Greg Olson. I still don't think in this format, full point PPR, you're going to use those guys most weeks. So, yeah, four tight ends in a draft is just utterly ridiculous. Uh, I, I don't, won't even take more than two. And especially when you take Travis Kelsey, you don't even, you only need one more, and it should be late.
1: And I'm, and I'm shocked. So basically talking about Kelsey going 13th, he was the first pick of the second round. How do you take Kelsey over Chubb, Juju, Beckham, Connor? I mean, even if you love Kelsey, I just think that's too soon.
2: Yeah, and the only way you can justify it is if kill misses 8 to 10 games or the entire season. and Even then, it's still a little bit of a reach, and it doesn't sound like I mean, again, we don't know. There was a report saying it could be a max of four games. Maybe it's still eight. Who knows at this point with the NFL? But, you know, I think it's also an overreaction to, like, all oh, these top three tight ends are so superior to everyone else. And obviously, you know Kelsey's not making it back. But, you know, some really good players on the board. And, you know, you, you can still win without a top three tight end. I'm sure there are teams out there that won without Kelsey Kittle or Ertz last year.
1: I don't know all the teams in this league. I recognize maybe about four or five by name. But two that I can tell you, Adam one is Team Rozek, that's John Rozek, and Javelina. He will actually
2: is... be on the show tomorrow at 3 20 p.m. Eastern. Oh, Rozek? Yes.
1: Oh, and then Kirk Kukes is Javelina, right? Here's something I can tell you about both of them look what rounds they took their quarterbacks 14 and 15. Two of the top high-stakes guys out there, Rosek and Kurt, are great players. They're playing in the 5K, they're playing in the 10K. Look at what they did, and it just tells you that these guys stick to a strategy like glue and they don't and they don't move from it.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, when you play in this format and you see how it pans out and the results, I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, we talk about it all the time, how you should wait on your quarterback. And I understand it. it's very, especially I think in this format, it's tempting, man. You know, it's like someone's holding, you, you know, you're on a diet and you shouldn't be eating desserts. And you're looking over at the counter and you see cheesecake <laughs> and apple pie. And and you want it. And you want it. And it looks good. good. But you know, I can't have it. It's not good for me. And it's the same thing. With these quarterbacks, because think about it, man, round eight, Deshaun Watson, like, wow, man, uh, it's really appealing. Baker Mayfield, round nine. But you have to understand that you're going to get good quarterbacks going around 13, 14, and 15. And a lot of times, outside of the outlier season with Pat Mahomes, most quarterbacks are going to be really close together. Even from from like five to 20, there's really not much of a difference when you look at the end of the season and the points per game. So you have to really have discipline and hold back, knowing, all right, I'm going to still get good quarterbacks. I mean, you know, those two guys you refer to, Goff and Lamar Jackson, you know, I I don't love Goff this year, but, you know, what if we're wrong? Or what if that Rams offense rebounds? I mean, we know there's weapons there. We know there's a good mind of McVay. Lamar Jackson obviously has the upside. is what he can do on the ground. And then um, Team 10 with Breeze and Winston. I love that combo. You know, I took Winston in the FSGA, and – he put up big numbers last year. We know he's prone to turnovers, obviously, but Bruce Arians there. He's got big weapons. It's a terrible defense. They're going to pass a lot. Now, we do know that maybe at some point in the year, there is the risk of Winston getting benched. Okay, well, then you got the safety of Breeze, and Breeze might not have the same ceiling that he had two, three years ago when he wasn't passing a lot, but you know he can still uh, produce for you. So. Uh, you know, I like what those guys did. You know, they didn't reach on a quarterback. They waited late. And even if you waited longer than that, Dak Prescott around 16, program around 16, you have to know the league format you're playing in. And it's constant in this uh, fantasy football world championships. People wait on quarterbacks.
1: I have a very important question for you. Is there chocolate cake at this bakery? Yeah, there is. Okay, just checking. All right, but no, you're absolutely right. Getting back to the quarterbacks. I'm looking at it here. Watson, one. Luck, two. Mayfield 3, Ryan 4, Rogers 5, Wentz 6, and Mahomes 7. Seven quarterbacks went before round 10. Seven. And I get it. And I, I'm not saying that they're not the best seven. They are the best seven. But I think retrospectively, if I could wait and get Goff in 14 and Winston in 15 and Prescott in 16, I think I would do that. I, I just would. And, and I know people like, well, I need a quarterback to win. I love Baker Mayfield. Nobody loves Baker Mayfield more than I do. Seriously, I love Baker Mayfield. But what at the end of the day, is there that much of a difference between Baker Mayfield and Jameis Winston, numbers-wise? I could argue that Winston could even be better.
2: Yeah, he absolutely could. Uh, there's no question about it. And, you know, there's always going to be a couple quarterbacks too late in the year that emerge off waivers that might have a great matchup in the playoffs that you wind up starting. You know, it happens pretty much every year. And, of course, the top quarterbacks that are taken could struggle. You know, Aaron Rodgers was one of the top quarterbacks off the board last year, and he did not have a big year. Matt Ryan was coming off a huge year, uh, then had a bad year, and was going really late last year. He was going outside the top 12, and he wound up finishing as a top quarterback. So a lot of these quarterbacks that we see going late, uh, a lot of them have the ability to finish Top five, top ten this year, and that's ideally what you want. You're trying to get that value late while you build up your running back and receiver depth because you need a little bit more in this format because we have the extra flex spot. It's two running backs, three receivers, two flexes. So that's why you see the sharp players pushing the quarterbacks down the board.
1: How many touchdowns do you think Baker Mayfield gets this year?
2: I'd say about 32, 33.
1: All right. Let's say thirty-three. How many passing touchdowns do you think Russell Wilson gets?
2: Twenty-six. Mm.
1: All right. Well, but Russell Wilson thing... gets more rushing yards because I'm I'm yeah, going to argue I don't know, number man. for he... number that he Russell Wilson may may be may have similar numbers. If I did the, the numbers together, Wilson and Mayfield may be similar, but this fact that Wilson went round fourteen and Mayfield went nine.
2: Mm, I don't know. Wilson keeps. Overproducing every year, like it's going to be difficult for him to have the pass attempts he does and do it again. And he's not running as much as he has in the past either. So, All right. Well, let's
1: talk about Dak. How many touchdowns does Dak get passing?
2: Uh, twenty-six.
1: Okay, but and he'll run for four.
2: He's run for six in each of his first three years. So. <laughs> Right. Be, so say, if, if Dak five. gets
1: 4,000 yards right, and Baker Mayfield gets 4,300 and Baker throws for 33, let's say, and Dak throws for 27, and but Dak runs for maybe 350 yards and Baker for 150 and Dak gets five touchdowns and Baker gets one, I can argue if I added those numbers together that Mayfield may be better, but you're talking about 20 points or less better. That's like one point a week.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you look at the end of the year, I think you're going to see like from quarterback six to – Maybe 20, there's maybe a a 20 to 30 point differential. So it's really small when you break it down. So that's why it pays to to wait and get two guys late.
1: What are your thoughts on, you know, I'm looking here and I'm, do you think that people just want the better offense? And I go back to Bob Long, who I had on as a guest when you were away and, and consistency. With Baker Mayfield, we know that we're consistently going to get week-in, week-out performance from a good offensive team with good receivers so that maybe he doesn't score 30 for me every week, but I can pretty much put in 21 to 22. Does that give you a value, or in a total points league, you don't worry about it as much?
2: No, I think you do need to worry about the week-to-week. I mean, well, you know, this is total points, so the total points do matter more because we do emphasize points. So I think in this format, Yeah, the total points do matter, but it's also draft costs because, you know, when you're talking about Baker Mayfield, you're talking about a guy that you got to get in round nine, whereas, uh, you know, Winston goes in round 15, and uh, I do think the Tampa Bay offense is going to be good, and I think part of it is because their defense is so bad that they're going to have to pass a lot, and we know Bruce Arian's and his ability as an offensive coach and how he likes to push the ball downfield. I mean, the key that I want to see from Arians is, can he get Winston to be a little bit more disciplined with the football and not turn it over as much?
1: Yeah, I don't know, dude. I think at the end of the day, you are kind of who you are. And, and an impulsivity is, I think James means well. That's the best I can say. I think he means well. But then I think he does something impulsive towards end of games, which screw up the chance of them to win
2: yeah, I mean, I remember one where he was basically being grabbed down. He was headed to the ground, and he just threw it up, and it was picked off. And it's like it's – just, just go to the ground. Simple, Throw it out. Like yeah. Just, yeah. Hold, you know, and I, you're right. I do think there's that impulse there. But I think sometimes a good coach, if they sit down and show the film and say, look, look how dumb that was. Do you see what you did there? You cost us a possession. If you just go to the ground, take the sack. It's not a big deal. We lose seven yards. We live for the next play. So, I mean – it comes with majority. But, but, it comes with good coaching. That's why I think this year is key for him. Because but I let me know you could say something say like a Brett Favre that they just think they can make every play.
1: In basketball, right? The beauty of basketball is that if a player does that, right, the coach can take the player out and sit him down at that second and yell at him. In football, it doesn't work that way. What if that happens in the fourth quarter? You can't take Jameis Winston out at that point.
2: Well, you don't take them out, but I think what you do is this off-season and now is you kind of go through those plays, break them down, and say, you, you see what you did here is you cost us. Look at the turnovers you had. We need to eliminate that in order for to win. And, you know, some coaches have a better way of communicating that to a player. And maybe, you know, Winston, a couple more years in the league, a little bit more mature, uh, maybe he gets to him and 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 gets him to see it because I just think sometimes these guys think they can be a hero and they don't realize that they're about to be sacked you're going down just tuck the football in and go to the next play even if it's even if it's a third down play
1: not speaking ill of Jameis I think and maybe I'm wrong I think Jameis would be like coach, you're right, you're right, I know, I know, I can't do it, I, you're right. And then in the game, he does it anyway. You know how it's just like, he says all the right things, but when the moment's on him, he does the wrong thing. And that separates the great players and the guy and the, and the coachable players. Because I do think that Jameis Winston has his heart in the right place. I just think when he's under fire, he makes the mistake. And the Ben Roethlisberger's and the Tom Brady's don't do that.
2: Well, Ben does. Uh, ben still makes some mistakes, uh, but we'll find out. We'll see with Winston. It's a key year for him.
1: I watched a good uh, documentary. Did you see the Julian Edelman, 100% Julian Edelman documentary? I did not. Yeah, it was on Showtime. So he, uh, he, he, they documented his life. Dude, his dad, dude, really made him work hard, really made this kid work hard. They did drills over and over and over again. He went to junior college. I'm sure I think you know this. He went to College of San yeah, it was Mateo. a quarterback right and then he got, went to he said I'm going to go to the first division 1 school that believes in me goes to kent state plays quarterback there and then he goes he realizes when he when he goes to the combine that there's no way he's going to play quarterback he's just hoping to get on as a kick returner right just hoping to make it as a kick and punt returner and he gets picked by the patriots i mean how fortuitous is that to end up on the right team like that
2: Well, I mean, I've always said, you know, when you put in the hard work in life, it'll pay off. You know, sometimes it takes two years, five years, ten. But, you know, I always feel if you kind of put forth that effort that at some point you're going to be rewarded. And I think that's an example of that. You know, you could say, oh, he's fortunate. But you know what? He put in all that hard work and it resulted winding up in the best situation possible with one of the best coaches and quarterbacks of all time. And obviously it's uh, helped Edelman have success in the NFL.
1: So if you watch the documentary – It shows you the the year that he was out with a knee injury and then, of course, the PED suspension. And do you know where he's getting his training? At TB12, uh, whatever, you know, studios. He's got Alex Guerrero. He's working out with Brady's guys. I mean, it just shows you that, you know, Brady's his guy and Brady made sure that he came back in the right way because he was going to the right people, the right doctors, and he came back super strong. Maybe too strong, if you will.
2: Yeah, uh, well... (laughs) I think right now, too, uh, he's been a good value in drafts. Uh, you know, I think he is going to have a, another big year. I mean, he'll catch eight, nine passes a game. We know what the Patriots like to do, short passing game, running game. And Edelman is the guy for Brady, especially with the lack of wide receiver depth they have right now.
1: Yeah, and this draft he went as the second pick in the fourth round. But I want to turn my attention to team number five on him. So I would say a couple of years ago, this would be a really good start. Team number five starts out with DeAndre Hopkins as his first pick. Second pick is Antonio Brown. And third pick is Keenan Allen Roto. Would you start your draft that way? Or would you have wished to have taken, would you not have taken Allen? Would you have taken a running back? Or would you have taken a running back instead of Antonio Brown? What would you have done differently?
2: I would have taken David Johnson at five. Uh, You know, this years ago, I did this all the time with the three wide receivers and had a lot of success. I think you're seeing it being done a lot less. In fact, this was the only team in this draft to start with three consecutive wide receivers. Now, those are a hell of a a group of wide receivers. And maybe in this format, I could see it a little bit more. But now you're really trying to hammer a running back, man. Like, all right, Kenyon Drake's RB1. We know he's good, but is he going to get the full workload? Tevin Coleman. All right, good system. He's uh, experienced with Shanahan, but... Jack McKinnon's there, Matt Braiders there, right? He mostered, you know, uh, and Coleman wasn't very impressive last year. Darius Geis coming off for torn Peyton Barber, can he hold off Ronald Jones? There's a lot of question marks here, and that's what happens when you load up and four receivers in the first five picks. So, yeah, your receivers are good. And and then you took a, a quarterback in round nine with Baker. We like him. Njoku, I mean, I don't feel great about him as my end I love the talent, but, you know, you at bringing Beckham. So, what you're doing is a lot of question marks here at the running back. I don't mind. I like taking that one top running back, having him, and then I don't mind taking shots to get my RB2. But here, you're looking to fill two spots.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love the receivers. It's Hopkins, it's Brown, it's Allen Cooper, Cup in five, Curtis Samuel in eight. I love it. But I I think you're right. I think it's too risky. When Kenyon Drake is your one, I think that's risky. I mean, he may not even keep the – what if he only gets 15 touches a game?
2: And what happened in this draft, too, was that the running backs really went heavy. There were 19 running backs in the first three rounds compared to 14 wide receivers. We usually do not see that in years past in this format. It's usually receiver heavy, and this strategy got burnt because of that.
1: Yeah. All right, we'll break down this draft more when we continue right after this. We're back with Full-Time Fantasy. Dr. Roto here along with Adam Ronus. And remember, the promo code is Roto50 or Ronus 50 and get you 50% off your first two months at Full-Time Fantasy. Ronus, I almost was not here with you today for multiple reasons. I didn't tell you the crazy story on Sunday. You ready? So I was playing golf with my daughter. Now, I am not a dog person, okay? Maybe a little dog is fine, but when I was younger, I was attacked by a German Shepherd and a Doberman. So I have, I have large fear of big dogs, okay? So I'm playing golf, and I hit the ball a little to the left of the fairway, and some guy was playing in his backyard with his pit bull, right? Right. So I take the golf cl- cart over near my ball, And I say to the guy, can you please leash your dog? Well, let's just say that Cujo didn't hear that. Who comes running after the golf cart, dude? Cujo. The dog. Oh, my God. Dude, panic-stricken like you would have never seen in your life. I am taking this cart, and I'm doing wheelies all over the place, trying to avoid this guy, my leg being his best friend. And then finally, the guy's like, the guy gets the dog back, and I'm like, seriously, you got to leash your dog. I mean, it's crazy. Could you imagine if that pit bull gets into my, bites my leg? I, he, it's over for me, dude. I'm hopping around the rest of my life.
2: Yeah, you know, a lot of people think, oh no, my dog's not going to harm you. No need to worry. Uh, well, I don't feel that way, man. You know, you never know. They can uh, snap at any time.
1: Oh yeah, and the woman, there's a woman there comes out. She goes, he's not vicious. I don't want to hear that. Maybe he's the kindest, most gentle animal ever. I'm willing to believe that. Just put your freaking dog on a leash because I don't feel that way.
2: Dog doesn't know me.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. And the minute he senses my fear, it's all over for me, which is there because the, the second he starts walking to me, I'm like panicking.
2: Yeah, I was trying to walk by a tight area in my building and this little dog bit me. Now, fortunately, I had my jeans on, so I really didn't feel it, but... Uh, that's why they make a rule that they don't want you taking the dogs in the elevator with other people on there, and they well, also yeah, want you to bit go you? out. Yeah.
1: What kind of dog was it? A
2: small dog. I barely felt it. I, if I, if I had jeans on, so it kind of caught my jeans. Uh, I don't know if it felt like oh, I was no. trying to, because it was a tight spot. So I was walking around to get through, and then the one okay. like, "Oh, I didn't even see you there." I'm like, oh. I don't but even. Coach, know, but, I, but
1: Sparky saw you.
2: Yeah, I don't even think she realized that it, it 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 went to bite
1: me. So wow, yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. Dude. I would. It took me. I thought I had, was having another heart attack on the course, dude. If if there was water, we I, I don't know how we didn't crash our cart. And then for sure, I would have been dead at that point because the dog is all over me. So yes, so some some people would have went out to uh, to pet it, but not me. Yeah, no, my my daughter's not afraid, and she's like, oh, maybe I should have gone to pet it. Like, I think. That could have saved my life or something at least the guy would have gotten a leash on the dog but I don't, know. I don't know I don't mean I don't want to make more of it was but I think when you have a Rottweiler a pitbull a Doberman, a German Shepherd or any dog that can kill I think dogs that, who can kill should be on a leash
2: yeah for sure especially with other people around
1: It's a freaking golf course dude all right that's my that's my moment for today I swear to God Ross, I thought I was dying I thought I was dead you're gonna do the show uh, solo All right. Let's take a look at team number 10 here. Kirk Cukes starts out with Joe Mixon, and then he comes back with Juju, and he takes Thielen and then more. Is that a really great start to a draft? If you had that draft, are you happy?
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, Mixon obviously going to get a huge workload. You know, they did lose their rookie offensive lineman. A little bit of a concern there, but you know, I think Mixon is going to get the bulk of the carries. He's going to catch passes. So like him. Uh, obviously, Juju uh, to get him third pick in the second round. You know, that's about where he goes, and you know he's lined up to have big year. Thielen, thirteenth receiver off the board of round three. It's just there are so many running backs went. You know there were. 18.
1: But that was your point about the running backs. That Thielen usually goes like the third pick of round three, and here he went the tenth pick because all those running backs went.
2: Yeah, you just uh, eighteen running backs before that pick in round three. Pick 10. There were 18 running backs off the board.
1: So let me ask you this. You're drafting. Do you take Thielen because you know he's the best player? Or would you have taken Freeman or Ingram because you want to get the last best running back left? No, what I'm not worried. Done?
2: not worried about it. When I have that one running back that I have confidence in, I'm not worried about it. Because now all I need to do is just really find another second running back. Because it's a PPR format. And if the receiver value is going to fall, I'm fine with it. Because we start three receivers and two flex. And I don't mind... F- flexing five wide receivers so i think he played this extremely well and i like what he did he said okay well if everyone else is gonna overvalue the running backs just let the receiver value fall into my lap and then i'll take shots you know you get montgomery in round five then you wait you take a shot on samuels in round 10 heinz around 11 that's the way to do it man what
1: about would you have taken ingram over dj Moore? i might have i might have maybe i do
2: like ingram in that spot um maybe i mean i could would you have taken
1: josh jacobs if he lasted to that spot maybe see i look at ingram in that spot he's the last good guy because then you have drake and michelle and white and lindsey and guys i don't trust i trust ingram he might be the last guy i trust
2: Yeah, I mean, I was hoping to get Ingram at the end of round four in my FSCGA draft, but he didn't make it back. So, yeah, I could see the the case for that.
1: Right. But, I mean, I like more. Now, what about round five? I've been reading a lot of good things about David Montgomery. There was some report where he's, like, unstoppable in camp. Yeah,
2: I mean, to take him as the RB25, you know, he's a guy that we might see his price tag rise. But, you know, I think he's going to be the back there. I know they brought in Mike Davis. Uh, but they didn't pay him much. And Tariq Cohen there, I don't think his role is going to change. So, yeah, I think Montgomery in round five is a is a good pick uh, for sure because he could be the RB, two for, for this team. I mean, he might really fit in well and play a big role and get 225 carries on that team.
1: Now, I want to go to Kurt's last five picks, and I want everybody out there to listen why this guy wins. He's a winner. winner. Dexter Williams, Devin Ozigbo. TJ Yeldon. Maybe none of them pan out. Maybe they're all dogs, but what if one of them hits and becomes a starter or a good primary backup? He took great chances with guys at the end of that draft, and that's how you win.
2: Right. And, you know, it is true. All three might not work out. They might not do anything this year. He might actually cut all three in the first three weeks. It's possible. But what you're doing here is you're taking flyers on running backs. We have two months to go before the season starts. What if Jamal Williams goes down? Aaron Jones is shaky, and, and Williams has a great camp. And maybe he works his way into the RB2. Maybe he becomes the starter. You never know. Uh, same thing with Yeldon and those Zigbo. So, yeah, this is what you want to do in those last few rounds is you want to take those shots on running backs specifically that could have an injury in front of them. And maybe by the time the season rolls around, maybe they're a backup running back, they're a complementary running back, maybe they're a starter. That's what you want to do this way. You don't have to go to the waiver wire and spend, and uh, you know I'm sure one of those guys is going to be a cut after week one, as you know, he, he looks to work the waiver wire, but uh, this is what you want to do now uh, with two months to go before the season starts is take those shots, instead of taking a second defense, which some teams do, unfortunately, um, but I see only nine defenses selected here, so I like that. And there was one team that didn't take a kicker or a defense.
1: Right, which I like too. Let me ask you about Team Turfy, which I think is Team 7, and Let It Roll, which is Team 11. They both went with one quarterback. One team took Ben Roethlisberger in 16, and one team took Cam Newton in 12. Are you okay with one quarterback? And if so, I think you are okay with the one. But are you okay with Ben or Cam? I think I'm okay with Ben. I don't know if I'm okay with Cam.
2: If Cam's healthy, I am okay with it. Uh, It seems, from what I've read and stuff, that he should be good to go. So, I know, obviously, the shoulder was an issue down the stretch. But, yeah, I'm okay with it, especially now because, all right, look at this draft. 18 quarterbacks were selected. So, there's going to be a few good ones on the waiver wire. So, maybe week one, they say, all right, you know what, I'll pick a quarterback up for a few bucks. But the point is, you take that extra roster spot and, you know, maybe you have a running back that you hope, uh, as we just discussed, Grows into a bigger role, so especially the team with Cam Newton. He took three running backs in the last three rounds, so I'm fine with that. In worst-case scenario, they say, all right, I'll pick up a a quarterback or free agency right before the start of the season for a few bucks because they won't go for a lot.
1: I guess that's true. I mean, that, that probably makes some sense to me. I, I thought a mistake that our friend Truck made was I would not have taken Andrew Luck in round six when there was O.J., Howard, and Ingram. And if he thought for a second that they would make him back to him, I get that, but I think that's too risky there.
2: Yeah, we had him on yesterday, and he just loves Luck this year, thinks he'll have a huge year. I think most people do. So if you're passing on Howard and Ingram, it means you really don't like them. Is my guess, and you know, I I look because I look and see what's on the board there, and I understand there was no one that really. I mean, I like Christian Kirk, uh, so maybe you could have done that, but he obviously had designs of getting Fuller and came back with Hamilton. So, receivers are fine. I, I probably would have went the tight end there, and round six is not typical. But if you look at what's on the board, I, I don't know. I, for me, I think Howard's probably the best guy there, if unless you want to so go. Too. Yeah, I think he is.
1: I think, you know, look, as as much as I like luck, I don't want to pass on Howard. I think he's just too good in that offense. Um, Let me ask you about uh, his, his number seventh round pick, Will Fuller. Is it fair to just say that a guy like that is snake bit and he's just always injured? And, you know, I like the player. I like the upside. But I don't want him as anything more than a number four on my team.
2: Well, I think in most leagues, you're going to have to get him as a three. Now, we saw when he did play last year, I mean, he was tremendous. Uh, We know Watson likes him a lot, looks for him. You are right about the injuries. It's clear. Uh, So, there definitely is some risk. Uh, Obviously, in best ball, he's tremendous. But he actually was more consistent last year when he did play. I mean, he hit 32 catches in seven games, man. 503 yards. Watson loves him, dude.
1: Watson finds him. He finds him.
2: And and the thing about him as a player is he could have a game of six targets and still produce. Like his last game, he had six targets, five for 124 and a touch. I mean, he really had had two bad games, uh, two for 15, two for 33. And that could happen in this offense when you have Hopkins and QT. uh, And if they do have a lead and the defense is playing well. uh, But, yeah. I do like Fuller. I don't think he's going to be a target for me. I did take him in a recent best ball. So to me, it depends on the price tag and what I have. But I don't mind taking him because if he does stay healthy for 13 games, man, he could produce uh, an astronomical line.
1: Would you have taken Kiki? The next pick was Kiki Kuti. Would you have taken Kuti over Cortland Sutton, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, or Marvin Jones? I don't know if I would.
2: Uh, Over Sutton, yes. Over Tate and Shepard, probably not. But I do like him. But he's another guy, too, where health is an issue. But, you know, he can rack up the catches. I think the Giants...
1: Are there enough catches for Fuller, Kuti, and Hopkins? See, I question that. they are three outstanding guys. Hopkins is by far the beast. But well, are they... there enough for three?
2: On a consistent basis, probably not, unless their defense struggles and they have to play shootouts. Uh... They don't have a tight end, so that helps a little bit. They don't really have a tight end that's gonna command a lot of targets. So you kinda say, okay, well, QCD is kind of their, you know, tight end as far as targets are concerned. They will throw to the running backs a little bit. So yeah, you know what I, I wanna go back and I did I don't even think we saw a lot of games with all three, right? No, we didn't.
1: We really yeah. didn't. Couti was out for a better part. Of let me see, we could get to that first. Because Fuller, he was out for what, five, six weeks in the beginning.
2: Fuller was done in week eight. He didn't play after that, and I think QT came back like right after, right? QT played
1: he... weeks four through seven. Week okay, four, give me, give me. Okay. All
2: right, I got Fuller stat lines up. What did uh, QT do in week four?
1: Eleven receptions.
2: Okay, Fuller had four for forty-nine and a touch. What about week okay, five?
1: Q- six for fifty-one and a touch.
2: Okay, it was against Dallas. Pretty good defense. Yeah. Fuller, two for 15.
1: Buffalo was three for 33.
2: Fuller, two for
1: 33. All uh, right, Jacksonville, one for three.
2: Six for 68.
1: Then he missed the next two weeks. Then there was a bye. Washington, five for 77.
2: Yeah, and um, Fuller was done. So, yeah, I mean, I think it is, especially with Hopkins, you figure is going to command double-digit targets most games. Yeah, I think right. they're – there They're going to split,
1: right? Aren't they going to split? Like, I, I, think I, don't, what's gonna,
2: yeah. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see, like we saw with Fuller, two for 15, two for 33. They're going to have those games. One of them is going right. to have those games where one has the bad matchup or is just not getting the targets because the other one has a really good matchup.
1: So the question I have becomes, and I and I like Will Fuller and Kiki Kuti. Look, if one gets injured, oh my God, the other guy goes up right. in value yes. tremendously. Tremendously. So I
2: think, I think your point is... They're both rough to take in round seven?
1: That I'm just arguing, am I better off with Sterling Shepard, who should be eight for for 62 every week? Is that better?
2: Yes. Now, here's the question, because you bring this up a lot. Who's the better offense? I think it's the Texans. But I don't know. Is the Giants offense going to be as bad as we think? Oh, maybe
1: yeah. not. <laughs> well, well, some are saying that Daniel Jones is looking pretty good in camp. By the way,
2: yeah, whatever. I mean, we hear these reports, then these guys get into a game and they look like they can't play, right? So,
1: <laughs> but the,
2: here's the thing with the Giants, though: their defense should be so bad, they should be passing a lot, right? So,
1: I and mean, eh, Giants' defense is really bad. Yeah. So bad.
2: that, but that is good for receivers on that offense. Yeah.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, look, is Shepard good enough? I have to look at it. Give me, give me a second. Because, you know, I kind of – during season, I forget nothing, you know, right? And now I forget everything. Like well, yeah, that's you, why
2: this is, you know, the, the time to kind of to do that research and figure things, you know, but that's like what I do who, a lot.
1: Like the, the opposing cornerback, you know, can somebody, can, can somebody in Dallas shut down Shepard? I think so.
2: Yeah, I mean, I get it. The other thing with Shepard, too, is he might play a lot more on the outside. You know, both him and Tate are slot guys, and they're going to have to probably rotate, I think.
1: He gets Patrick Peterson when Peterson comes back, right? He's going to get shut down there. What about Slay? I mean, so I'm looking at all these guys. We've never seen Shepard getting the the other team's best guy because there was always Beckham there. True, true. So I wonder about that. Is he? Look, I think he's a good player, but is he that good?
2: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a question mark, and he's I'd say the one on his team where Q T you could say is maybe the three.
1: Correct, but once again we go back to the better offense. Yeah, and we go back to the fact if Fuller and or Q T gets hurt, their value they be if if I knew Fuller was out Fuller was out for the season, Q T would be a fourth round pick for me.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he would he could get so many of those short receptions, and we saw how well he performed last year. So, yeah, I mean, that's what you got to figure these things out now. That's what these drafts are to do is to kind of figure it out and map out your plan.
1: And I think this is why you do multiple drafts. That's why you go to playffwc.com, dot because you may want to do one thing in one league and try another strategy in another. Adam.
2: Yeah, for sure, and that's what you know. Best balls are for and. Uh, Obviously, this is an online championship, $299 entry and a $50,000 grand prize. So you don't want to mess around too much in those.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Who's coming up in hour number 15? That's true. Who's coming up in hour number two?
2: Uh, We got Jim Day, a.k.a. Fantasy Taz.
1: I love Jim Day. All right. Tell him I said hi. All right, guys. This is Dr. Roto saying be well, take care, keep it here for another hour of full-time fantasy with Adam Ronis. Of course, Jim Day coming up soon. Back right after this.